0: You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to subscribe on
0: iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me is Mike, the Cranky Fan.
1: What's up, Grump? Getting ready for my big trip across the South going to New Orleans where there's a hurricane coming Dallas where I'm sure a hurricane will impact me and Houston where there is no more Houston from a hurricane. So I'm a little cranky that my big trip is probably going to be canceled.
0: So. so we rain out. Ugh. So we're going to, we're going to recap uh preseason game number three, which was um, hosting the New York jets. The third preseason game traditionally is the one that, Um, is what is considered a dress rehearsal for the regular season. Uh, Ben McAdoo does not necessarily subscribe very much to that, but he does expect the most of his starters in this game. Uh, You know, Tom Coughlin would play his starters well into the third quarter. Ben McAdoo didn't do that, not even close, I think halfway through the second quarter, if at all, for Eli Manning. Um,
1: And some offensive linemen played a lot less than others.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, but a lot of key players didn't play at all, um, which I'm a, a fan of. Uh, some notable injuries who were out, uh, you know, Odell Beckham, Brandon Marshall, Tavares King, Dwayne Harris, Mark Herzlich, Michael Hunter, and Keenan Robinson all did not play in this game.
1: Well, the good thing about that from the wide receivers, all those guys being out, it is opportunity for some of these guys on the on the bubble to you know. Make an appearance and you know impress as much as they can. So,
0: sure, there's probably one or two spots up for grabs at the wide receiver spot. um And by sitting, you know, four wide receivers that all have a good chance of making the roster. I don't know about Tavares King. He's probably one of the bubble guys that should have that would have probably liked to have been out there, um seeing as he contributes nothing to special teams. But you know, it's it's a good opportunity for them to get in there.
1: Absolutely. So you want to go into our stars and farts for the game?
0: Sure. Uh, some of these are linked, so I'll try and save those. The first one is obviously Jason Pierre-Paul. I've never seen have a preseason like this before, and it might be because he's never been fully healthy going into a season in his prime. But, I mean, this guy was like a man among boys out there. There was one play where he took, he used speed to get Brandon Schell, the the right tackle for the Jets. You know, kicking out as fast as he could. And then he kind of just dug his foot in the ground and threw his right arm into his shoulder and tossed him aside like a child before laying a hit on the quarterback. He also was credited with a sack, and he had a safety on Matt Forte.
1: It's really something because he's not playing for a contract anymore. You know, you would think this is a contract year. He's trying to impress and show off. That's behind him now, and he's still coming out like a complete beast. So it's very encouraging.
0: Yeah, he's... And he he's sort of like a terrifying octopus out there. <laughs> just like arms in every direction just throwing people around. It's, it's Oh, I
1: thought you meant because of the eight fingers. <laughs> no, yeah.
0: Well, you know, it, it's been a while since we've seen JPP play like this. I mean, last year he had his spurts of being really, really good, you know, but he was kind of dealing with – I think he was still a little bit dealing with the hand injury – um, and then the groin thing kind of settled in there and then obviously the year before he was playing with a club on his hand um but it it feels like it's been a while since we've seen this JPP
1: and it'd be frightening too and you have Liberty Vernon on the other side too you can't you know what do you do if you're a uh, you know an offensive coordinator trying to you know contain both of these guys and all the other weapons they have too so you know as long as these guys can all stay healthy you know it's a chance to be a dominating uh you know, front four.
0: Yeah, and I think um, you know we'll we'll get into the roster depth probably after cutdown day, but I think the defensive end spot is a lot more talented this year, depth wise, than it was last year. So that these guys don't have to play ninety percent of the snaps like they did last year.
1: Yeah, did we want to talk about the breaking news though that might impact some of that depth?
0: Yeah. Um. So this just broke today. Uh, Owamabe Odigizua, who was sort of a roster bubble guy even though he was a third round pick just a few years ago was handed a four game suspension for peds violation Um, if you guys remember he also had some sort of personal issue in the springtime I believe where he kind of didn't show up for OTAs it looked like he wasn't sure if he was coming back to football at all those two things might be related they may not be but either way that's going to shake up the defensive end spot for sure
1: yeah, he had a cryptic message saying he was gonna step away from the game, and then he was pardoned from OTAs. It was excused. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, when he got ready for uh, for a mini camp, I think he was back. Yeah, the, the mandatory mini camp he did show up, and um, so not really sure what's going on there. And right, it, we the, the news just broke a couple hours ago, so we we, we can't speculate yet. But uh, I, I would definitely think that his roster spot's in peril right now.
0: Well, it's a little bit interesting right? because he's now not going to count against the roster. So he can be carried for those four weeks and the Giants can withhold the decision on him. So should should they decide to do that if, say, they carry, carry Wynn in the defensive end spot instead and he gets hurt, say, week three, he might have a spot on this team for the rest of the year. You, you don't really know. So there is a chance for him to secure a spot he's now extended his amount of time. So it actually it's it's beneficial to the Giants in that they're able to remove him from the decision without making a decision on him if that makes any sense.
1: It's more flexibility. So it's you don't have to expose him to anything if you know just try to to cut him or something. So let's well, just uh let's put put him on ice for right now.
0: Yeah. Evan Ingram each week it's like getting just a little bit more of a taste of what he's going to bring to the offense now remember like i said brandon marshall Tavares king dwayne harris odell beckham jr all did not play so this was essentially the sterling shepherd roger lewis and evan ingram show when it comes to offensive firepower so there's not a lot to take away from him and he laid a sick move on a linebacker in which he he kind of ran a two-yard out route that he faked and then just juked right downfield and if Eli hit him in stride he might have been off to the races but he kind of had to jump for the catch when the two of them get their timing down right we're not going to regret this first round pick at all
1: oh I mean from hash to hash that's a part of the offense we haven't even used in years yeah so you know that that's a that's a dangerous weapon we have down there what have you seen it from his uh from his blocking so far in, in these games, so between chip blocking and you know trying to actually
0: block block. Well, you seen? the New York Giants' bar for blocking is somewhere around my ankles. So, <laughs> so the bar is pretty low. But what I've seen from him has not been bad. It's not anything you'd rave about from a tight end. But for somebody who was absolutely trashed in the pre-draft process for his blocking and then immediately after being drafted very high, uh, it's not that bad.
1: I was going to say, everybody was so super pissed off at the draft the pick, like, oh, it's not a blocking tight end, not a blocking tight end. He's capable to at least disrupt a little bit, if not necessarily be a uh, a road-dogging, you know, badass blocker. So yeah, it's not really what we need.
0: No, I mean, it's something that we need, but I think what they've gotten, Rhett Ellison, I think something that they've gotten Matt Lacoste if they choose to keep him.
1: You need that weapon. You need that third or fourth uh, passing op- option. You need out of your tight end, so –
0: yeah, um, and, and Orleans Darkwa ran a one-yard touchdown run. I know it doesn't sound like much, but it was a very you know, well-executed blocking assignment because it's goal line. So one missed block screws up a goal line play. Um, and
1: quite frankly, it's been pretty pathetic this preseason – you no, know, getting that one yard and getting any sort of offense at all, so sure. that was encouraging.
0: And uh, he went in relatively untouched. He ran somewhat behind Evan Ingram, who came in on a seal block and did a good job. Nice. Another guy, as we were saying, with all the wide receivers out, was a big chance for people to step up and show what they've got. Travis Rudolph had a Victor Cruz of a preseason game, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he's one of my. We're going to get into a little bit our roster bubble guys, and I guess we can we can talk about him now. So
0: yeah he had two spectacular catches where he high pointed the ball and what were quite frankly terrible decisions by the quarterback i think they were both josh johnson but i i don't know both throws but you know great plays where he high pointed the ball over a defender's head and then took off for 57 yards on one of them the other one was like a screen pass that he turned into positive yardage that could have been a pick six i mean he really made the most of his opportunities out there and hit the big knock on him was his ability to separate from defenders but he showed that he can outmuscle them and win 50 50 balls which is what you've got to do if you can't separate from them
1: exactly and you know again he's going to probably be you know his roster spot will probably be the fourth receiver fifth passing option potentially six in in a, in an offense so you know Every little thing he can do to impress and the one where what I'm thinking of when we high point it was beautiful. It really oh, yeah. was. The absolute you know, apex of where the ball was and coming down it was it was a really fantastic play.
0: I think Travis Rudolph is and this is one of the things that uh a gripe that I have when it comes to the the draft process, the scouting process is you know, he I will admit that he doesn't have the deep speed or anything to separate from NFL defenders. That's true. But there is the game tape. You know, he passes the eye test. He's a good wide receiver. Um, he's going to learn the tricks of the trade. I, I think he can become a serviceable wide receiver. And I honestly think that he was probably worth at least a seventh round draft pick. And it's it was crazy to me that Travis Rudolph fell undrafted.
1: Uh, was is, is he able to contribute on special teams at all? Or I mean, that's going to be one of the deciding factors for
0: these guys. Absolutely. Um, he'll have to do something. Okay. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And a, another star of mine was somebody who starred last week. He's really, really showing that he deserves a spot. Dante Dion. Um, he's he's the
1: first guy on my roster bubble list.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that Michael Hunter did not play. Michael Hunter is sort of in the lead for the fourth cornerback spot behind, you know, Dominic Rodgers, Camardi, Eli Apple, and Janoris Jenkins. So the fifth roster, the the fifth cornerback spot was still up for grabs. Um, we didn't mention this either, but Valentino Blake walked away from the team voluntarily before the game, um, and I believe he was sort of signed. He was probably with the idea of him being the fourth cornerback, and he tumbled down where he was in a battle for Dante Dion for the fifth cornerback spot, and it looked like he was losing after back to back bad weeks.
1: It, yeah, I mean he's a guy he started on the. the that temporary pup list when, when camp started came off of it. So, um, yeah, who knows what's going on with him?
0: Yeah. I, I have no idea. I think he might be a little bit, I, I, I can't remember the last time I've seen that voluntarily left team. That's not, I can't, it doesn't at, ring at a bell. Stage,
1: in week three of training camp too. usually you see that sometimes you're in the off season or, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it's like cutting yourself, but I, I assume the Giants still have his rights, right? It's not like he can yeah. walk away from the team and all of a sudden you know, sign with the Jets three weeks later or anything. Correct,
0: yeah. However, Dante Dion had a, a pick six in this game. Uh, you know, a lot of this is going to have to do with Janoris Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins uh, absolutely pile-drived the wide receiver on a, a quick in route. Um, and when he did it, he jocked the ball right out of his hands. And it was sort of up for grabs, and Dante Dion just kind of – Took it right out of the air and took it to the house. Um, So Jenkins gets a lot of credit for that. But there's something to be said for ball hawking and just sort of always being right there to make a play. And this is a guy who I believe holds the record for the Mountain West Conference for interceptions. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the fact that he's 5'9", you know, may not be a big deal if he can play the position. Brent Grimes is only 5'9", and he's a fantastic corner. so.
1: Well, it's not like he's using to elevate like that fourth or fifth corner spot. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you feel a little better if you have to throw him out there as opposed to what we felt, you know, before camp started. That was one of our big concerns was complete lack of depth at cornerback. So, if he's overachieving what he think he can do, this might be something good. So, maybe Absolutely. Yeah. A- ally some of our some of our concerns.
0: Yeah. I I'm still not comfortable with him returning punts. Um I think if this team has to put anyone back there that isn't named Wayne Harris, we're in trouble. I haven't seen exactly. anyone take that position and run with it.
1: So you're off the uh, the the Beckham returning punts like he was doing some last year. You do not want that to happen.
0: Absolutely not. Who's he? Jason Seahorn? <laughs> what I well here's what I will say. There was one time I believe two years ago where the Giants put both Harris and Beckham back there. They did, and. It worked beautifully, but it's it's magical because it doesn't matter. Just his sheer presence back there is a huge distraction for Gunners because you have to remember Gunners know where the ball is supposed to be going, but they're not looking for it. So mm-hmm. if Beckham can act like he's about to catch the ball and free up you know, some running room for Dwayne Harris, that's enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Just the sheer threat of having Beckham back there is something. But him being back there full time, or even you know,
1: all right, <laughs> I'm one of these guys. I like to have my best playmakers, the, you know, in the ball, the ball in their hands as much as possible. But you know, I could I could certainly see the risks and in, in potential damage for doing that.
0: Well, yeah, I and I agree with that to a certain extent, right? You know, you know, put Odell Beckham in the backfield, uh, let him run end arounds, put him in the slot, play him all over, but. Uh, Punt and kickoff returns are two of the scariest plays in football. It's punt returns especially because you have to look up at the ball, and as soon as you look down, you got, you know, what, 30 guys running directly at you? Mm-hmm. You're it's not true. really sure what's going to happen. <laughs> Some of the biggest hits happen in punt returns. So, I mean, I'm for my my lightning players having the ball in their hands, but I'm not for them on the biggest hit plays. Of the. You know what I mean? I, I don't want them getting walloped on.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, that's why I'm not a special teams coach.
0: <laughs> yeah. My final star of the night is linked to my first fart of the night. So these two are uh, these are buddies, but Brett Jones is my star, and uh, he filled in at right guard for John Jerry. John Jerry had a pitiful start to the night, absolutely pathetic. At um, one point, I'm not sure if he tripped over Weston Richburg's foot or if he just got completely bowled over, but – He was immediately taken out because whoever ran him over hit Eli Manning, which resulted in an interception, and that was the last Jerry saw the field. Brett Jones went in there against a very good Jets defensive line with Leonard Williams, Sheldon Richardson, and Muhammad Wilkerson. It's one of the better defensive lines in the league, and – as soon as Brett Jones went in there, suddenly there was pass protection in the middle for Eli to throw the ball downfield. The running lane started to open.
1: Are we, are we buying are we buying with Jones and McAdoo said that that was planned? That he was going to come in after the first series and play right guard? I'm not buying any of that. I think, he, I think Jerry was just so atrocious. They were just trying anything at that point.
0: I don't think it matters. And I'll tell you why. Buying or selling, it doesn't matter. Because if – in fact, McAdoo is telling the truth and that that was planned. It was planned solely on what they've seen in previous preseason games and in practice. Yeah, that's what I'm that, saying. That's my point of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure, maybe it was planned, but it was planned because Jerry wasn't showing it in practice and in the previous preseason games, and maybe Brett Jones was, and they figured he deserved a shot against a really good, de- like some starting quality defensive players. Well, was in it, which the deal with a guy like. Who cares? What about.
1: With well, a guy like Fluker, though, I thought he was going to be challenging for uh, for guard.
0: Um, I think there's still a lot. It's, I think it's difficult for an offensive lineman to come in as a free agent and know the whole playbook. I think he's still struggling with that because when it comes to his blocking, he's been OK. It's much better run blocking than pass blocking. But his misses and mix-ups seem to be communication errors where him and Bobby Hart are blocking the same guy and then a blitzer comes running in through the gap. You know what I mean? Right. So I think they're hesitant to put him out there with Eli because they don't want some free rusher. But how much
1: of how many re, maybe I just missed it? But how many reports have you seen about Jones practicing it at uh, right guard as opposed to center?
0: Um. Well, I mean, he his his natural position is center, but he's been cross trained at guard since he was brought over two years ago. So
1: he has been okay. Because I yeah. I you know I'm trying to go back and think when did this uh you know. This shift happens. I don't remember reading anything about it, but you know, if it is,
0: yeah, no, he I was he was cross trained as soon as he came over, and, and to be honest, his ability to play both positions is what got him that spot two years ago when he came from the CFL. Okay, okay. I think if well, he were a pure center, he would not have made the team.
1: So the question is, you know, is this something that possibly could be a shift in the starting rotation or not? Or
0: what do you think? It certainly bears watching going forward. I'm I'm a big fan of not overreacting. Especially the preseason games, but John Jerry, you know, John Jerry is a good pass blocker, typically speaking. Uh, He's not a good run blocker, and we know this. I think Brett Jones might be not as good as a pass blocker, but so much better at run. He's more versatile. He's more well-rounded, and I think that that sort of plays an advantage for the whole team. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So I. It bears watching. The the, the run
1: game on this team is so bad that you know. Maybe that's been a little bit of the sacrifice we need. You know, he's not going to be a, a turnstile or anything.
0: No, I don't. You think
1: know, so. on pass blocking, but there's a you there's
0: know. you know, well, it certainly bears watching going forward. Uh, I'm going to keep my ear to the Twitter stream to see you know what I'm hearing from practice and from mm-hmm. coaches. But I think this uh, this Thursday night game against the Patriots is going to show a lot for Brett Jones. I certainly hope. Um, right. Because if a shakeup is needed, I don't think Ben McAdoo is the guy who's going to hold off on it just because John Jerry got a three-year deal. No, no,
1: no, I don't think so either. I think he's his own man. I think he he does what he thinks is best for the team. So sure, he's not going to play that uh, because winning saves game.
0: everybody's job. You know,
1: of course, absolutely. What about our farts?
0: <laughs> the most important fart on my list was a bummer, but Eli Apple had a bad game. He did. He he, he ended up walking away with a second ankle injury. If you remember, he had a, a tweaked ankle last week or the week before. This is the other ankle. He was abused a little bit, and there was one play where he definitely should have gotten a defensive pass interference and for some reason didn't. But he was yanking on a jersey because he was beat bad. You know, I don't well, re- remember seeing it. It's, it's possible he's not 100% either from the other ankle. It's, so. it's sure. It, it, it's possible that the ankle injury occurred far before he was taken out and he was That's just true. playing on it. Um, mm-hmm. and that contributed to his bad play. But either way, I had noted last week that we haven't seen a whole lot of the handsiness from Eli Apple that he was notorious for at Ohio State, and it started to peak up a little bit in this game. Um, it's just disappointing to see the entire defense firing at all cylinders, and the guy you want to take the leap is, you know, had a bad game. That's all. I mean, well, I'm not going to crucify I, him, but he was a fart this week.
1: I'll counter with two things. One, again, it's preseason, and two— it still is only a second year. I mean, you know that leap from second to third year is another thing too. But you know he's still going to have, you know, he's going to have those games where he's just not going to be very good. I think it's part of the learning curve. So I'm not going to get too concerned about it. If it's a trend, we see, you know, three, four, or five games, and it's not attributable to just an injury, we'll get a little concerned. But yeah, it was it was disappointing to see. Yeah. Um, what what I want to talk about is roster bubbles. You know who's on the bubble and who's not. Um, Two spots we already talked about, Dante Dion and uh, Travis Rudolph. Let's cut to the other three on my list. Go Um, for it. The backup uh, quarterback job.
0: Both of those guys were farts for me. Holy crap.
1: (laughs) Well, I I feel like both of these guys are –
0: if we really
1: needed either one of these guys and we cut them both, I think they'd be available if we needed them in a spot.
0: Yeah. Josh Johnson,
1: for, for sure. No one's picking him up. Somebody may take a flyer on Gino. I mean, Gino's shown a little something in these three games, but you know, Josh Johnson to me is just, he's garbage. He, he doesn't do anything right. I mean, he seems like he's, he's jittery. You know, he holds the ball too long. He, he runs into the line too much. He makes bad decisions. I mean, there's nothing redeeming about him you know, other than he, he's somebody who can take rotational snaps during practice. I mean, Gino, you know, Gino has some experience. Gino, you know, has a, kind of a decent arm, but again he's all over the place too and just has those boneheaded plays. Yeah. And you know, it goes back to our philosophy. If anybody if Eli's gone for a, any multiple stretch of games, the season's over anyway. So maybe you save the roster spot and you and you go with Davis Webb. The only thing I can say against that possibly really happening is if that wasn't McAdoo's game plan from the very beginning, Davis Webb might be weeks behind where he should be who he need to be to be the backup and you know if they're trying to adjust course you know before the fourth preseason game it might be too late this year for him to be ready if he used to come in week two or week three
0: sure yeah yeah he he just quite frankly hasn't gotten the reps yeah
1: and that's it and like i said if he, if the game plan was like him or like a deshaun kaiser or something where you're going to be in the competition to start you would have those reps from day one mm-hmm. and i think there was a you know, kind of like almost like a red shirt year this year where he's not gonna play. They're not gonna try to use him as little as possible and it's hard to catch up right now. So they may have to take one of these two chumps on the roster. I, I hate think, to waste a roster spot, but Yeah.
0: I think I think the idea is that they're they're leaning towards Gino now because he has a bit of an excuse in that he is coming off an A C L injury. Um and he's also brand new to the playbook. So his boneheadedness can also be attributed to the fact that he has not worked with these receivers before. He has not really seen this playbook before this year, whereas Josh Johnson has. He's had all these advantages and has looked, honestly, about as good as I could look back there.
1: Yeah, but I think Gino has game experience too. I mean, yeah, that's, there's he, that too. He, he has been a starter in this league where Josh Johnson has even played in the league in how many years. Yeah. So I I, I think the decision is pretty obvious. It's going to be Gino. I would be... Surprised, but not shocked if both are cut and they, they roll the dice with Davis Webb. I think every week they can get away with it. Yeah. You know, you know, if, if he's going to be the potential potential heir apparent, does it make even more sense to have him get more backup, you know, uh, you know, passes in practice during this, during the season, even, you know, yeah. accelerate that, uh, you know, that learning curve early as you can. I, I don't know the level of confidence. when I see either of these guys to me is next to none
0: No, oh, it's terrible
1: uh, next bubble spot I want to talk about are the kickers
0: okay they both look pretty good right now Mike Nugent hit a 50 and a 54 yarder in this game I was disappointed that I know that they're just going back and forth between the two of them but being that Nugent already hit a 50 yarder I would have liked to have seen McAdoo just throw Rosas out there to even up the competition but he didn't what do you think is going to happen as long as it stays even they're going to go with the younger guy I think um, I agree
1: I don't think you want to waste extra roster money, cap space on a guy that you know, where the younger guy can you know be under more control and be around longer potentially.
0: I mean, the other thing is that they might use Algecrusis as trade bait. They did that same thing with Brandon McManus two years ago. They got a seventh round pick out of it. I don't think I just don't think they're going to do that because Brandon McManus turned into a legitimate starting kicker for the Broncos, and Josh Brown is not in the league anymore. <laughs> so uh, I think they've learned from that mistake. Well, I think
1: the mistake they made last year with Josh Brown was if you know somebody is uh, beating the shit out of their girlfriend or wife, you you don't uh, string them along and try to keep them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that's an extenuating circumstance that I really had no factor into the, you know, which guy do we keep and as opposed to which guy do we try to trade. So yeah. I only got apples and oranges this year. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would tend to go with the younger guy myself too, all things considered equal. I mean, yeah. which one has looked better on kickoffs?
0: Uh, I mean, they've both been back and forth. I know Mike Nugent had a couple shorter ones, but neither one of them is really winning. You know, you know really blowing away the competition in in that regard. They're both pretty deep kickoff. Uh,
1: last thing I have, the person I have is uh, Will Ty. He's gone from starter to serious bubble guy through really no fault of his own. <laughs> no, he hasn't got he hasn't gotten worse. But all of a sudden, the, the obviously we have a complete rebuild at the position uh with a free agent and a you know obviously our most promising rookie so you know where does that leave him? And not even considering Matt Lacosse either.
0: The numbers game really plays in here because Will Ty is certainly not the one or two tight end in this scenario. He's behind Evan Ingram. He's behind Rhett Ellison. He's now I would say equal with Jarrell Adams and Matt Lacoste. Now what Jarrell Adams has over him is upside. He was a raw prospect as a sixth-round pick last year. He's shown improvement, and he's a better blocker. No question about it. He also has the length that Will Ty doesn't have it. So I I would say, based on that alone, he's already behind Jarrell Adams. Now he's looking at the fourth tight end spot. When you get to the number four, they may not even carry four. So now you're looking at rostered bubble spots where it's how many offensive linemen are they going to keep? How many running backs are they gonna keep? How many wide receivers are they gonna keep? Are they gonna keep a fullback? So he's not just competing with Matt Lacoste, he's competing with all of those guys. And remember, I don't think Will Ty is on any special teams.
1: Yeah. So That's we're not talking about, we're not talking about Tony Gonzalez to start with and a guy that, you know basically was just a guy. You know, he he could catch a ball but had no moves and had no yards after catch. Blocking eh. I, I don't see him on the roster next year on, you know when the season starts i Despite see him the, on
0: a roster i think he's done enough to earn a roster spot in the league but I as think a
1: as a you know he's always going to be a three or fourth tight end on a
0: team yeah uh i think there's a spot for him somewhere in the league but i don't think it's gonna be on the roster this year like you said no through no fault of his own
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that's a an encouraging sign for us Giant fans that we've – you know, the tide has risen for the
0: talent at a key position too. Well, I have one more roster bubble spot and this one just kind oh. of popped up last week. So Calvin Munson had been impressing coaches, beat writers, everybody at the linebacker position and JT Thomas finally got into a game. Now remember <laughs> JT Thomas is a four-team special teamer. He's a big locker room presence and he's basically free this year. He took a pay cut down to $775,000 with incentives. Mm -hmm. Calvin Munson was abused in this game. He was beat for the something 85-yard touchdown pass to Bilal Powell out of the backfield. (laughs) Um, JT Thomas, on the other hand, didn't do anything crazy, but, you know, he also took a hit to the knees, got right back up, and continued to play. I believe I pointed that out on my Twitter when I saw it, you know... JT Thomas suddenly has a shot of being the last linebacker spot. Um, he comes with a ton of experience, if at the very least can coach a guy up. Um, and remember, Mark Herzlich has not played for three weeks now with a concussion. Right. So JT Thomas is a roster bubble guy that we had. I'm pretty sure everyone had written off, at least in pencil.
1: And, I think everybody had big question marks next to his name. There was kind of like one well, of two to be determined guys yeah. for sure.
0: And um, you know, when he's he he was a starter before he got injured, and not a bad one either. Mm-hmm. So so who because, are you saying is the bubble
1: guy? Are You talking about Thomas? or they're about both
0: Munson? Bu- they're both bubble yeah. guys. Uh, they're they're fighting for the same spot, Thomas and Munson for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all, all you know. And again, once you get down to these final spots on the defense, you're competing with everybody. How many safeties are they going to carry? How many defensive linemen are they going to carry? How many ends? Because we've got a million of them, and they're all really good. You know, they're they're fighting for the very last spot. The two of them on defense. Can so you I throw
1: think... him in the practice squad, or is he ineligible?
0: Oh, he's eligible. Yeah, sure. He might be a practice squad guy. He might be a practice squad. Guy. Remember, you know Calvin Munson's certainly a candidate that they've you know really latched onto. Sure, certainly Travis Rudolph is a guy you could consider, but he may not make it. You know, mm-hmm. um, Chad Wheeler.
1: That's that's an important thing to mention is that you got you have to be cut and then no one pick you up so you can join the practice squads. the way it works.
0: Yeah, but so I guess this year you kind of – I'm sure teams have prepared for this. But I also am sure that they've never done this before where cut down is all in one day now. So people slipping right. through waivers, there's going to be so much action and wheeling and dealing going on that people with legitimate talent that have proven it might slip through waivers this year whereas they might not have last year. Uh Eric Pinkins is a fiscal safety that uh a lot of people were high on. He didn't have a great any any sort of great tape, but I mean they were really raving about him in training camp. He's definitely a practice squad candidate, I would think. Mm-hmm. But that's I mean that's all I've really got for uh practice squad.
1: I think so. they added two more spots to the practice squad, so
0: was that make it 9?
1: I think so, and I think that's because of the one cut, so
0: yeah. Oh, uh, wide receiver Jerome Lane is somebody that I think they were really high on. There was another one, but now they're, they're all injured. That's so all
1: right. So fight. yeah. So our schedule is uh, we're gonna muddle through the last game, of the Thursday game against the Patriots, and next week we will start our normal schedule. We're gonna try to do a Monday, you know, recap show,
0: well, and yeah, then we'll, a we'll cover. We'll cover what happened at the game and then the cutdowns.
1: Yeah, and then we'll have probably a a preview show for week one, probably tape it
0: Thursday. Thursday. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll try to figure out based on our schedules how we can get that out so we can so get you can, it.
0: You can start your weekend with a Friday morning commute to work with the 2017 NFL kickoff with a pregame mm. show of the New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys for Sunday Night Football with Chris <laughs> I know that, Snoringsworth. And
1: this is not a rerun from last year. This is this year.
0: <laughs> you know, look out for us in the uh for our recap on at the conclusion of your Labor Day weekend and we'll go right into our kickoff show uh Friday morning for you. In the meantime, you can always follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump or follow the podcast for any emergency broadcast changes or you know, for the links to our show at just giants pod. And you can always send us an email at just giants podcast at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, I I definitely recommend following the grump because he does a fantastic job live tweeting during games and a good combination of play by play commentary, you know, retweeting important people during, during the game and everything. So he's definitely a good follow. I I definitely recommend it. Uh, You can follow me at the cranky fan, uh, Follow me also on my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, as we get ready to start the Florida Gator uh, football season this weekend. We play Michigan. I'm hitting the road Thursday. My big New Orleans-Dallas uh, trip. We'll uh, give you some reports from the uh, the hurricane. So hopefully, I make it in one piece.
0: So, yes. and and by by the way, be sure to follow the Cranky Fan for for college football stuff. Nobody follows the SEC like Mike does, and. Um, yeah, the the SEC is always where it's at, and this is a great way to start off the college football season with Michigan at Florida.
1: Michigan, Florida, and then Alabama, Florida State that night. It's a fantastic, you know, doubleheader to get the uh, the season started. So,
0: yeah, and, and Ma- won't be Mike will be the guy to follow for all that too. Yeah, so
1: we're we're your tag team partners.
0: Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Go Giants. Go Giants.